Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, July 12, 2020. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Mr. Andrew Gross will be joining myself and Christian Arnold to talk all things Isles because training camp starts tomorrow. It is exciting times. We're getting back at hockey, and it is going to be a lot of fun. So with that being said, Christian Arnold, how are you? Sean, what's going on? It's a good week. Hockey's back. Hockey's back tomorrow on Monday. We're going to see. taste it, pal. We're going to see. You can taste it. Teams on the ice. We're going to see players skating. It's exciting. It, it really is, and you got to give the league a lot of credit because, obviously, we're in a very strange time, and, you know, I remember not too long ago having shows with Tony saying, just shut it down. It's not going to happen. You know? I, I'm sure you could have had that conversation, like, a couple weeks ago. Right, right. And, and look, I know it's, it's for some it's still a little controversial, but I would say so far the NHL has done a very good job at, at, at getting things to where we are right now, the fact that we're literally, you know, a night away from training camp starting. And and look, you know, there could be some surprises. There could be some some hitches that still get in the way. But as of now, I'd say you know, big marks to big marks to the league for for getting this far. And and we're actually going to see skates on the ice tomorrow, and we're going to see meaningful hockey played in two weeks, barring any you know unexpected disasters. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. And I mean, you got to give like you're saying, and we, I think we talked about it too last week. You got to give the NHL some credit because you look at what's going on with some of these other leagues. And MLS has had a lot of issues since their start in the bubble and down in Orlando. Baseball has certainly had its its rough patches with testing, with, with players getting COVID-19. So the NHL, to their credit, and obviously the NHL has had cases of COVID-19, but right. the NHL has seemed to be the most prudent in getting a plan in place and trying to execute it to the best of its ability and also working hand-in-hand between the players' union and the, and the league owners itself. So that's a huge win in itself. No question about it. And before we get started here, just want to send out a big thanks to our sponsor, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on down. They got great food, great people, and great Islander fans. We talked about it last week. I was, I was in there, and, and the sandwiches are tremendous. The food's tremendous. The place is it's decked out in Islander gear. It's blue and orange, <laughs> and uh, the staff is great. Donnie's great. And uh, can't say enough good things about Blue Line Deli and Bagels, so big thanks to them. And also want to thank Go Hockey Media for powering Hockey Night in New York. So with that, folks, we're going to talk about the ratification of the CBA. Big news here. That's obviously what's allowing training camp to start tomorrow. We'll talk about a couple of details with that. We'll talk about how that affects Ilya Sorokin and whether or not he is actually going to put pen to paper and join this Islander franchise. We'll get into some of that stuff with Andrew Gross as well. And perhaps the latest developments on the Coliseum situation, which I think is going to work itself out. I'm not too worried about that. I mean, the way things are going for the Islanders, it certainly seems like that'll be the case. The things are all seem to be rolling the Islanders' way in, in recent uh, you know months and last year or so since uh, Belmont has gotten underway, and everything seemed to really go in their favor in that in that regard. Right. So hopefully the good news keeps coming. So Christian, with that, let's get this started. We got camp to talk about too. But let's just uh, get rolling on the CBA here. Obviously, you know, last week we still weren't sure if it was going to be ratified. The players had to vote on it. It was looking good. 
And we learned, you know, a couple more details about it. Now we know for certain that the Western Conference teams are going to be playing out in Edmonton. The Eastern Conference teams will be playing in the beloved city of Toronto <laughs> for Islander fans. See, John Tavares didn't need to go back to Toronto. He's going to get uh, three months in his home city regardless this What year. a lucky guy. What a lucky guy. <laughs> so that all starts on Saturday, August 1st. We will have hockey games. We will have qualifying round hockey games starting on Saturday, August 1st. There will be five games that day, and the Islanders will be involved as will the Rangers. So New York hockey starts with a bang on a Saturday, and that's going to be awesome. The way they have all the games stacked. It's it's March Madness style. And you know what the exciting thing, too, is people who aren't necessarily the biggest hockey fans, I think this is really intriguing to them. Um, you know, I was having, I was having um, you know, card night with some friends the other night, mm-hmm. and someone who's, you know, she's from Buffalo, she follows the Sabres a little bit, but not a huge hockey fan. She's excited for it. I mean, yeah. I think you're getting going to get a lot of casual hockey fans excited now for this kind of Wild West-style uh, tournament that you're going to have here, especially in the first couple weeks of the uh, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs or the NHL postseason tournament, whatever you want to call it, especially the early rounds in the play-in games. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, I know not everybody's thrilled with the format, but you, you can't deny the fact that it's different and it is and it is getting a lot of attention. And, and you make a good point. I mean, hopefully it does draw in some of those non-hockey fans and, and you know, maybe it sticks and, and they, they stick around for the real thing when, when they start up the next season, which we also got some more details about. Uh, their their slated start for that is going to be December first. So I believe the uh, the date on the cup, the last uh, they're going to hand out the cup is like uh, early early October. I don't have the date in front of me. I believe it's October fourth. I believe that's correct. Yeah, October fourth, and then they're just rolling right through everything else. I think they're doing the draft the next week. Yeah, it's it's a really quick turnaround because they're very gung ho on getting the full eighty two game schedule done in twenty 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 one. So the NHL has to be pretty quick in the turnaround. You know, you're going to have a short offseason. You're going to have a short um, start before you're, you're seeing training camps reopen again for teams that, uh, you know, for everyone basically, not just the teams that didn't play, but everybody's going back to training camp. And I think that, you know, I think they talked about a range from about November, December to even, you know, as late as January getting the season started and then still playing a full 82-game schedule. Now, does that push things back in the next year? I mean, there's still a lot on the table with that to figure right. out. I mean, we still have to get through a postseason tournament this year right. to get to that point. So there's yeah. a lot on the table. I would think I would think that they would just have a shortened offseason at the end of next year, and then everything would normalize from there. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's that's the most likely scenario. Yeah. But again, we'll, we'll see how it plays out because there's so much uh, fluidity to it, even even just the completion of this. Like, things could happen where, exactly. you know, things could take a turn where it, where we don't see a fin- finished season. You, you know, you're looking at some of these, these other leagues and you're certainly starting to get that sense of, all right, maybe things aren't as cozy and great as, as these leagues are trying to make them out to be. No, the, the scary reality is that everything that we're talking about and excited about tonight could be completely <laughs> thrown upside down. Not by to ruin like, this moment. Yeah, right, but it could. I mean, by tomorrow, we could get some awful news. Hopefully we don't. So far, so good for the most part. I mean, we have seen some more positive cases have come out. I believe uh, we were talking before the show, you mentioned a couple of Canadians players. Yes, Montreal, Montreal Canadians. it was the athletic that was reporting. I believe it was three Canadians players. I don't have the report in front of me at the moment, mm. but it was a couple Canadians players, so it's certainly not something that's going away. This is certainly even for these teams. And I think we were talking about it before the show. The next couple of weeks are going to be crucial because it comes down to when they're not in the bubble cities, these teams have to be as disciplined and responsible as anybody because right. their livelihoods and their health and safety going into these bubble safety yeah. cities and the health and safety of others depend on them being smart now. 
And those few players on the St. Louis Blues were <laughs> wasn't exactly a good start <laughs> right. from a couple of weeks right. ago. So, yeah, they're going to be left to their own devices here during these two weeks and during training camp. So, you you know, they you got to hope that they all do the right thing and they, they follow the guidelines, whatever rules that the league and the teams have in place, so that by the time it is time to fly up to Toronto or out to Edmonton, that everybody is as safe and healthy as possible so that there's no setbacks. Because, I mean, look, if any one of these guys at training camp goes down, you know, I mean... What are they going to do? Because, yeah. I mean, don't they kind of have to quarantine everybody at that point, not just the guy who, who tests positive, you know? I, but I mean, the league's position... If it happens while they're in camp, right. I mean. I mean, the league's position, though, is that one or two guys testing positive isn't going to halt the tournament or isn't going to put a wrench in things. So it'll be interesting because yeah. you're right. Thinking about it, um, you know, using this what's been going on in the real world, mm-hmm. usually if you've been in contact, direct contact with someone you're most likely supposed to quarantine for 7 to 14 days, I think right. it is, the CDC recommends. So mm-hmm. how do you enforce that? How Who's who's supposed to be quarantined and who's not supposed to be quarantined, if that's the case? Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I'm sure the league has these mechanisms in place. They yeah. put together a pretty hefty document of exactly. how this is all going to play out. Yeah, you have to say they, they definitely put a lot of thought into this whole situation, oh, yeah. you know, for them to even to get to this point. So, but speaking of players who, who may not be showing up, we already have seen some players opting out. There was uh, a part of this new agreement, this return to play CBA situation where the players could opt out without penalty. And some have already exercised that option. One being a very familiar name here in Islander country. And that is Travis Hamannick. He will not be joining the flames when they go to Edmonton, uh, on account of his daughter who has some health, health issues. So, um, you know, got to respect him for that. Obviously health and family comes first. There was also a couple other players that opted out, like Mike Green yep. in Edmonton, uh, Pollock in, in Dallas, and I believe one or two other guys, another guy in the Canadians, another player on the Bruins. So, And then you had the, the Max Domi thing uh, too, which, yes. which is kind of an interesting situation. Obviously, he has type 1 diabetes. Yes, which I didn't know until I, I read about this right. little. Yeah. So he's certainly in that risk category. So he has 7 to 10 days, I think it is, to make a decision whether to let the Canadians know because it goes beyond that window because – According to this return to play agreement, mm. players are supposed to let their teams know by tomorrow. I think it's by 4 p.m. tomorrow, which is Monday, uh, July 13th. Okay, and and I guess the the language saying without penalty does that mean that these players who choose not to play will still get paid? I guess maybe they just won't get the bonuses. Uh, not along quite with winning? clear about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anyone really asked a, a follow up of what that means per se. But mm-hmm. I would imagine it's some sort of financial stipulation that protects them from losing out on money or breaching their contract right. or anything in, in th- to that regard. And look, that's that's obviously the right thing. You can't hold yeah. these play- players accountable. You know, if if they don't feel it's safe, you got to respect it. And they got to do right by themselves and for their family. So obviously, if you're a fan of these teams, it's unfortunate. But yep. at the end of the day, they're doing what they think is best for them. And that's that. Yeah, full respect. 100%. Full respect. So another wrinkle in this CBA agreement. We had a lot of questions leading into this Ilya Sorokin situation. <laughs> it looks like the saga is finally going to come to an end this week, for better, for worse. But we finally learned that Ilya Sorokin can sign and burn his his ELC year, his ELC contract, so that at the end of the season he can sign a more lucrative restricted free agent contract. The only caveat is he cannot he cannot play in these return to play games. But what we did learn, and I didn't expect to see this, Christian, is that he can join the team for camp. Apparently, Dave Pagnotta of uh, the Fourth Period put it out there on Twitter earlier today, saying that these players like Sorokin they can join their teams at camp. They can even join them in the host cities, even though they're not playing in the game. So. Not sure what Lamarillo is going to decide there, whether he wants to use one of those 31 player spots, right, that they can use up in Toronto. I think right. the max is 31. 
So uh, the New York Post also confirmed this too uh, within I think the last hour or so of us coming on air. Um, there's a story up on the New York Post website. So it's it's now an option. That's that's something that's on the table for Ilya Sorokin. Now, does that get him to come over here and sign his, his ELC? And then they have to negotiate the RFA contract next year. It, it's a, certainly a, a sticky situation, not made any better by the fact that the Islanders are kind of up against the cap a little bit just going forward too. So now you have to think about that going forward because the cap's not going up much higher until they hit about a $4.3 billion threshold. It's staying flat at yes. $81.5 million until they, they breach that, that profit threshold. That league, league revenue, yeah. basically. So the Islanders are in a certain uh, kind of a bit of a tough situation here. I mean, Sorokin obviously is this highly touted prospect. Fans have been clamoring to see him. Um, <laughs> there's been so much hype around him, and obviously the excitement, too. You have Igor um, Shosturkin, I believe, is the goaltender for the New York Rangers, who has a connection to Sorokin and the, the yeah, excitement, buddies. Yeah. This excitement around this, rivalry. Yeah. Right, exactly. This potentially New York-New York rivalry coming back. So there's a lot of hype around this, and I mean, people are excited because they think this is the next guy. This is the goaltender of the future for the Islanders. So this is a big, big situation. Uh, Lou Lamoureux is obviously not playing his cards. He was on a conference call with us <laughs> yesterday. What a surprise. And basically is, you know, his answer to the question was, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. You, right. you'll, we'll find out in four or five days, so stay tuned, basically. Well, the good thing is, is that pretty much everything has gone the Islanders' way as far as this stipulation in the, in the CBA. Because at first... We didn't think that he was going to be allowed to sign at all, right. which, again, I, th- I thought was kind of ridiculous. We talked about that with Brian Compton mm-hmm. last week. So I guess, you know, cooler heads prevail, whatever you, want to, whatever you want to call it, is that they came to a decision where, okay, we'll let them sign. They just won't be able to play, which I guess would have been the ultimate, you know, uh, batch of good news if they had gotten that way. But we probably wouldn't have seen Sorokin playing in these games anyway. Yeah. But look, the fact that not only can he sign, but now we can also join them for camp and for, you know, up in Toronto if they want him to, I mean, that's great for the Islanders because that's just more time on the ice for Sorokin. Right. He gets to come over. He gets to familiar, familiarize himself with the team. He gets to be on skates, which, you know, I think is kind of the concern that we had here, right? Like, even if he was going to be able to sign, is he going to be willing to wait until December right. to start playing hockey? You know, if, it's a if, tough thing to ask. Right, right. You know, I mean, look, the guy's going to want to play. He's going to want to get paid. So now when you look at it this way, the fact that he can play, you know, through these two weeks of camp, I guess whenever he comes comes over from Russia, and then he can, I guess, be with the team as long as they last up in Toronto. Right. And so that kind of, you know, brings the waiting time down a little bit where maybe you're looking at less than four months, you know, maybe even three months if camp is in November. There, yeah, there's certainly you know? an added incentive for him to come now. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, that's not too much to ask as far as the waiting game goes. Also, I, I think one thing that I don't think anyone's really thought of or asked is the fact that you have the AHL, which obviously suspended its season. Now, when do they come back? Are they right. following the NHL's um, kind of timeline and they'll be back when the NHL returns? Are they going to start their season normally, which would be in you know, September, October for training camps, and then right. their season starts in October. So that gives the Islanders an extra chance to get him on the ice sooner if that's the case. Now, again, I'm purely speculating. We don't know anything right. about that. We don't even a, know if he'd be willing to report to right. the AHL. But if you're saying, look, you come, we'll get you in training camp now. We'll even bring you to Toronto for the playoffs. You can be part of this craziness. And then in October, you'll have a training camp. You'll get to play in the AHL. And then once our camp opens, you come back with us and you'll be on the NHL roster. Right. No, look, I think all signs are really starting to point to, to him signing. I, I really feel good about it now. I mean, obviously. Very optimistic. Yeah. I mean, I 
I oh, I can't see what would really prevent him. I, I mean, really, what it would come down to is having to wait those couple of months until right. the next season starts. You know, I don't think we even know if and when the KHL season's you know starting because I guess he would be weighing it against that too. True, that's true too. You know, I don't know what the latest is on that. So I feel, and there's no negotiating as far as money goes. I right. mean, look, there's they, not, there's no wiggle room. To right. This. I mean, it's, it's maybe just there's the, some bonus the max, incentives and right. stuff like that. He's going to get the max ELC, which I think is like 900 grand and 925, whatever it is. And that burns whenever this, you know, weird return to play is over. Right. And then they get to negotiate the real contract. So, I mean, if, if his intentions are genuine, what we've been hearing is that he wants to come over and he wants to play for the Islanders. I mean, I see no reason why this thing is, is going to get held up and hopefully we'll have good news by Wednesday at 5 p.m. because that's when the window closes. The window opens tomorrow at 9? I believe so. It opens yeah. tomorrow and then it closes by Wednesday at 5. So, so there you go, folks. So, you know what? We might have good news tomorrow, <laughs> but at least by Wednesday we should know what's going to happen with this guy, whether or not Mikey Carver is going to get his white well. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, then it'll be, I think this is a lot of fans' white well. I mean, nobody was expecting him to come, and then there was a lot of hope he would come, right. and then it was pulled out from them because of everything that's going on now. So it's just, it's, it's, it's of course, it's a very Islander situation right. nonetheless, but now it seems like there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it is a positive one. Indeed, sir. Indeed. Well, why don't we sneak in a real quick break right now? We'll come back, and we'll pick it up. So, folks, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters. The independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. If orange and blue are your team colors, visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HNINY for 15% off your order. Yes, men outfitters, stick to the system. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program. After that short little break, you listen to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. I really love this bed music you have going on right now. Not bad, right, no, buddy? I like that. That's little pool good. party, little pool party music. It's very summery, it, right? It really fits in. It's like a yeah. nice Sunday summer after evening. It's, it fits the mood. I'm glad that you like it, buddy. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. I hope the listeners enjoyed it too. A little soothing sounds yes. here at Hockey Night in New York. <laughs> All right, buddy, so why don't we uh, take it over to training camp? It starts tomorrow. Let's start talking about this team. Oh, yeah. There's a lot and there's a lot to talk about. I mean, this is maybe the most fascinating training camp in New York Islanders history when you think about it. When you put it that way, you know what? You may not be wrong. <laughs> it happens once in a while. <laughs> don't sound so, so shocked. But, I mean, when you look at the roster and you look at how it's going to be constructed and the people that are constructing it, there are so many questions Going into it. Yeah. I mean, the Islanders for the first time, really, I, probably since training camp in, October, in September, are fully healthy. The Islanders have a roster that, I mean, obviously at their at their peak, can do really well and play the Barry Trot system. And they have a lot of decisions to make defensively, offensively, even in goal. Who's getting the start? Because things have been kind of even when you look at Thomas Grice and um, uh, 
Wow. Semyon Varlamov. I was about to say Ilya Sorokin twice, <laughs> and I stopped myself. Um, so there are so many questions, especially when it comes to now the depth that the Islanders have. The Islanders made a lot of trades to get some guys c- coming in now because they have yeah. a lot of holes. Now everyone's healthy. Who's sitting? Who's playing? I mean, you could potentially see Andy Green, who was such a big acquisition at the time in, in February, you could see him now sitting and not playing. It's it's such yeah. a fascinating situation that the Islanders have. Yeah, and we're going to talk about the roster and, and, and opine on who we think we're going to see, <laughs> you know, once the pucks drop on August 1st. But obviously, this is another fluid situation. You had Barry Trotz coming out and saying, look, camp is going to tell me who's who's going to be in the lineup. And yep. it's true. Because, look, we don't know who's going to be in the best of shape. We don't know if guys have been slacking off, hanging out on the couch, watching Netflix. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, they haven't been able to be, be on the ice maybe until very recently. And some guys are just going to be ahead, more ahead than others. And, and we might see some surprises. There might be guys that, you know, you at home or, or us, you know, might look at a roster and say, this guy's definitely going to play, you know, in this roster spot and then find out that he scratched game one. You know? I, I, think, I think that goes along, too, with who's making these decisions. And you have to look back to... When Barry Trotz and when Lou Lamarell talks about some of these players, my, um, you know, I think we were talking about it before the show, Michael Dow Cole, who is obviously a guy that Islander fans certainly like to harp on every once in a while, especially considering where he was drafted. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's been a solid, you know, third, fourth-line guy for the New York Islanders since he started playing somewhat consistent, consistently at the NHL. Could you see him playing in a slot in the playoffs? Because Barry yeah. Trotz and... And Lou Lamoureux liked the way that he plays and he fits the system more than, you know, maybe a Leo Komarov. And I, I, they obviously don't play the same position, but I'm just using that sure. as, as an example. If these, these are names and these are guys who people are used to seeing and not used to seeing. And now, I mean, they could be in the roster in, in, in the postseason for the Islanders. Yeah, and you got, you got some potential rookie candidates, too. You may right. see a Wallstrom get in there, maybe a Bellows, maybe a Koivula, although I think, think there's just too many guys he's going to have to hurdle over to, right. to get into a spot. But again, you never know. If some guys aren't going... You know, they might give one of these these kids a chance, but, you know, we'll, we'll go over the uh, the roster more in depth. But just a, a refresher, from all the way back in March, if you guys remember, this team finished with a 35-23-10 record, good for a 588 points percentage, and they went 2-4-4 four, and four in their last 10. And I'm sure you all remember that they lost their last seven straight games, which, of course, is the fault of John <laughs> J.G. Pajot. Of course. Ever since he came over from Ottawa. He cursed the island. They have not won a game. <laughs> so until they win, it is his fault. All right. So that being said, we also have some special teams numbers. We'll see how, how they're influenced by, you know, maybe Pajot getting in there. Because I'm really excited about how the penalty kill might look now, that right. Zizekas is going to be healthy with Pella coming back. You know, and also having, you know, Pajot now is another option, and then that PK. And for all you Komarov haters out there, you know, it, it probably means that Barry Trotz, you know, doesn't have to rely on him being on the roster as much because, you know, say what you will about his, his lack of offensive talent, but usually when the guy got into the roster, it was because of what he was doing on the on the penalty-killing side or just on the defensive side of things. So maybe now that they're going to have a healthy Sezikis and Pajot in the lineup, you know, maybe they don't have to rely on him, and Leo's one of those guys that, that gets bumped out of the lineup here. But speaking of those special teams, the the power play was was once again not so powerful this season, despite the personnel changes. So whether you still want to blame Scott Gomez for last year or not, <laughs> that's, <right. laughs> that's up to you. But uh, maybe it's more of a personnel thing on the ice. But anyway, 17.3%. That was 24th overall, so not very good. Penalty kill took a little bit of a dive. They, they were more middle of the pack this season. In fact, almost literally 15th overall at 80.7%. So again... You know, look, mediocre, 
at best on special teams, but maybe we see a bit of an improvement now. Now that they're going to have Pajot, they might even use him on the power play too. They they actually did in the in the few games that they played after they acquired him. Well, that was one of the benefits of bringing in, in, in Pajot is because he had so many so much success on the special teams unit. He had right. a number of power play goals and something at the time. The Islanders were really lacking, and, and obviously it's been a, a constant issue with this team, whether it was this year, last year, or under previous head coaches. So it's certainly an issue that the Islanders still are trying to figure out, and with a healthy roster, maybe that solves it a little bit because you give Pajo a chance to kind of fit in a spot where he can succeed a bit more instead of maybe putting a lot, a little more pressure than he needs or he needed in that moment to be successful. I mean, he came in at a, at a tough time. Like you said, the Islanders are in the middle of a tough stretch. Yeah. You know, they still haven't won a game <laughs> with him in yeah. the roster. They've picked up a point or two in right. that time frame, but they yeah. haven't won a game, which is which is tough. I mean, Pajot was really excited to become a part of the New York Islanders franchise going forward. Obviously, he signs that big deal after being traded, being acquired by the New York Islanders from Ottawa. And he spoke so glowingly of coming to New York, you know. Right. Now he was, he, you could tell he was genuinely excited for what was going to happen and what was on the horizon for the New York Islanders and certainly not the start he expected. But now in this situation, you have a lot of key pieces back. You have a lot of depth now at that center position too. Oh, so yeah. you have an opportunity not just to give him some space to work on the special teams unit, but you also have a, a lot of an opportunity now to give him a chance to really succeed out in a spot that he can do that, most likely a third-line center you know, not having to be looked at as, you know, the Islanders almost second best center at that point. Right. No, no, it's it's a great thing. And and again, you have to include Sezikis in that conversation mm-hmm. as well because I mean look, this team was was very well known last season for just how well they played defensively and how well how good they were at keeping pucks out of the net. And you know, whether you want to attribute that to Leonard and the goaltending and Grice, you know, or, or, or both, you know, we've had so many discussions on the show in the past about, you know, chicken of the the whole chicken of the egg. Is it the D is it the D? Is it the goaltending? And look, the the goals against have gone up a little bit more this season and, and, and we, we came to learn that Pelic being out had a lot to do with that. Yes. And and again, you know, just with Sezikis being out and look I would look. I haven't gone up and down the list of every team in the league, but I, I would th- like to think that the Islanders are probably one of the teams that are benefiting most from this break and getting players back healthy. And again, I'm sure some of you out there can point out some other teams that are like, "What about this guy?" You know, that's and that's fine. But you know, getting Pelic back, getting Sezikis back, and getting Boychuk back, you know, is really going to you know stabilize this team, especially on the defensive side. So even if this team continues to to be the same that they are offensively, let's let's just you know call it what it is. They're not a very offensively gifted team no, and, compared to the rest of the league. Right. But if they get these guys back and they can start bringing the goals against down, then maybe they start winning more of these games, three to two, two to one, what have you. Yeah, and I think you saw the Islanders doing that a lot last last season too, especially when things were going really well. So it'll be interesting to see. It's so crucial that they have so many guys healthy back, and that's going to make the world a difference. Without a doubt, and we will get back into the roster after we talk to Andrew Gross, but we got a break for him now. He's coming up. So once again, thank you for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. We'll be right back. The only thing better than a great Long Island deli is a great Long Island deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-944. 3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to 
check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. Looking for great Islanders content on the web? Islanders Insight has you covered. Islanders Insight provides top flight analysis and the latest news from inside the locker room and behind the scenes. Whether it's progress at Belmont, trades, injuries, hirings, firings, or signings, Islanders Insight is on top of it all with an excellent staff of writers featuring Hockey Night New York's own Christian Orton. So head on over to islandersinsight.com and stay up to date on all things Islanders. Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us right now from Newsday is none other than Andrew Gross. Andrew, thanks a lot for coming on. How you doing, buddy? Oh, it's good to talk to you. It's good to talk about uh, the possibility of real hockey, too. So uh, I hope everyone's good and uh, Christian, congratulations on the spot in the show. I'm very I, happy for you, I buddy. I appreciate that. Thank you, Andrew. And congratulations on the haircut. It looks <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> now, now, Andrew, was did you do that yourself, or did you, <laughs> did you get somebody else to no. do it for you? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I braved it at Supercuts today. So, there you uh, go. <laughs> yeah. I, I was fully... You, you know, it, was... It, it, it it disturbs me that probably <laughs> the two most popular things I've done on Twitter in the last four months was one getting killed for my ridiculous overgel job at the Belmont State. Amazing. And, and two, you know, just showing that I got a haircut. I mean, you know, I could have done nothing else on Twitter the last four months and I'd still be famous. I mean, my kids thought it was hysterical that my their dad's hair was trending on Twitter on Belmont Stakes Day. Clearly you're a man of style and everybody wants to know what you're going to do next. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it, Andrew. Let's talk some hockey. Very excited to be doing that. Training camp starts tomorrow, and the New York Islanders are going to have a healthy roster. You get Sezikis back. You get Boychuk back. You get Pelik back. Let's start right there. What kind of boost is this team going to see? You know, even with all these question marks, the guys haven't been on the ice for a while. What are you expecting to see day one at training camp tomorrow? Um, well, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where Barry picks up with the combinations and how he fits. I mean, we all know how he's going to fit Casey Sezikis back in, and we all suspect that Adam Pellick is going right back with Ryan Kulak. Um, I'm interested to see how sharp everyone is, and I, I, I think you're going to possibly, I know the coaches will be looking for it, it possibly seeing different levels of where the players are with, you know, because each player almost had a different experience over the past four months. Some guys got on the ice earlier than not. And, uh, you know, Barry talked about that being his biggest challenge almost during this uh, this camp before getting up to Toronto for the uh, for the bubble is just gauging where these players are. And he thinks, and you know, Barry is very confident 
in what he does, but he thinks it's going to take him, you know, a couple of days to really get a sense for where guys are. And then I think you might see some switching up and some experimentation in camp as Barry gives the guys who are a little further along a, a chance to really, you know, push themselves into the, into the roster or lineup spots. Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, but Barry usually, if I remember camps correctly the last two years, Barry usually pushes the guys pretty hard the first day or so um, just to kind of get them, get their feet under them, I guess you could say, kind of trial by fire early on. Is that kind of what you were expecting to see tomorrow when the guys are on the ice? Barry's kind of kind of put them through the ringer with some of those more endurance drills than maybe necessarily the hockey skill drills? I, I think he's going to have to handle this a little bit differently just because you know, the guys have ramped up differently. And, and you know, talking to agents and, and players in the lead-up before they started these voluntary small group workouts, which was on June 8th, you know, there's a real fear uh, of these guys being off the ice and then starting to, you know, if they go too quickly, you know, a lot of hamstring, groin, or leg injuries. And, and I think Barry, and, and not just Barry, I think all NHL coaches are going to be really smart about this. I, I don't know, you know, and, and yeah, you're right, Barry, you know, you talk to players after the first day of Barry's training camp, and you'll usually hear, well, that wasn't fun, you know, I mean, because <laughs> Because he, he really does push him. Christian's absolutely right about that. And, you know, a lot of coaches I've covered, John John Tortorella, you know, there were no pucks on the ice uh, sometimes the first two days of training camp. It was all testing, you know, with, with endurance skates and then sprint skates. And, you know, John and, 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 and Torts is, you know, Barry does put pucks on the ice. Uh, you know, Torts can be a little extreme, but the idea is the same. You know, to really see where the players have come off the off season, I think I, I really think even though these players have been skating now voluntarily for about a month, I, I really think there might be a little bit of caution um, to uh, to to not you know cause injuries. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, and 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 also this training camp is is different than the than the other ones, the usual one where. You know, you get the guys in, you know, say on a Thursday or a Friday, and four days later you're playing your first preseason game. Um, this is going to be different. This is going right. to be, you know, they got 12 days before going to Toronto. So I, I, I think you have a chance to ramp it up a little bit more. It's Barry was talking about this on the uh, teleconference the other day. It's not as as crammed in you actually have some time to breathe in this training camp and, and progress and ramp these guys up rather than starting you know at, at, at x plus of infinity on, on day one right right for sure and you know we talked about a little bit before you came on with you know barry was was quoted as saying that you know camp is really going to determine you know, who ends up on the roster once they do go up to Toronto to play in these games. And, you know, with that being said, do you, do you expect that we might see any surprises? You know, do, do the kids have a chance, maybe a guy like Wallstrom, a guy like Bellows? You know, you, do you think they might have a chance to crack a lineup if, if one of the, uh, I guess, one, one of the guys you consider a regular on this team maybe has a slow start here? Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, another difference in this camp is where, you know, other camps are really more about subtraction. You know, you bring 60 players in and you wind up with 23. Here, you know, 
it's it's almost more about addition, you know, finding out which of these Bridgeport guys you can you can add to the team you're taking to the bubble because you're going to be allowed 31 skaters, and uh, you know, uh, I, I think when, when the Islanders played their last game in Vancouver on uh, March 10th, and again, you know, uh, the 23 player maximum goes up to the trade deadline, and then you can you can go past that between the uh, after the trade line trade deadline to the end of the season. So I think the Islanders had, you know, 26 or 28 guys on their roster and they, they can still bring more up, up to Toronto. So this is almost more about addition and, and it's a good thing. They're going to bring a ton of defensemen. You got Thomas Hickey, you got, you know, like you said, yeah. Boychuk is back You know, Noah Dobson's there. Um, you know, Andy Green is there. Pelic is back. So, you know, if you put Pelic back into the Pelic and Boychuk back into the top six, then you've got Andy Green, you know, for depth. You've got Noah Dobson for depth. You got Thomas Hickey for depth and, and, and maybe even Sebastian Ajo, yeah. you know, is added for depth. I, I don't think you can bring enough defensemen. Uh, into these bubbles, so it, I, it's going to be interesting. But you're right, there, you know. And Lou Lamarillo talked about this yesterday uh, on the teleconference, which is every successful playoff team always has that surprise. You've got to rely on your top guys to be your best players, but 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 the really successful playoff teams have that surprise that no one sees coming. And I agree that that could be. I mean, my first guess would be, you know, Kiefer Bellows might have a real shot if he picks up where he left off with Bridgeport, where he really gained confidence in his overall game. And, uh, you know, the Islanders could certainly use that wrist shot that Oliver Wallstrom provides as long as he's, you know, smoothed out some of the, uh, the issues he had in his defensive game, which he got sent back down to Bridgeport to work on. And talking to Brent Thompson during this uh, four-month, you know, pause, he, he said he, the organization was very pleased with the progress Wallstrom made, uh, specifically talking about his defense. We're talking with Andrew Gross, the Islanders beat writer for Newsday. Andrew, you mentioned the defensive depth that the Islanders now all of a sudden have, and you look at kind of where the Islanders have been in that regard in the last couple months. Uh, it's hard to imagine now. We were on a conference call with Scott Mayfield a couple weeks back where he said, A, he said that, you know, he, he's always felt the Islanders have had that depth, but B, that he's, you know, he's going into training camp ready to battle for a position. I, I mean, Scott Mayfield has been such a uh, a mainstay with the Islanders' defense. It's hard to imagine a guy like Scott Mayfield now feeling the pressure, but when you look at what the Islanders have on the on the blue line now, there is some real pressure on guys like Taze, Scott Mayfield, um, you know, guys like that who 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 have been mainstays and now are kind of I don't want to say they're on the bubble, but they certainly there's some there's some players breathing down their neck a little bit. Yeah, I mean, a guy like Andy Green, who has been a, a long serving captain in another organization, has helped the team to a Stanley Cup final. Uh, you know, uh, he's he's in the top six pretty much across the league. And, and he's going to be battling for a spot. So, yeah, I, you know, I know what Scott was saying. And I, I think, you know, most of us who watch this team expect, you know, for game one against uh, the Panthers, the D pairs to be Pelic Kulak, 
Taze Mayfield and Letty Boychuk, you know, which is their regular top six. But at the same time, and this goes back to, you know, I'm sure as you discussed what Barry was talking about, he really doesn't have time to wait for guys who are a little bit slow out of camp. It's right. not like, you know, you have the 82-game season to, to wait for a guy to get his game into shape. Um, Barry has to play the guys who are playing the best. Otherwise, the Islanders could, you know, yeah, it's great that they're restarting, but, you know, they, they, they could easily lose the qualifying series right. if Barry is, is waiting for guys to come around. So I get what Scott's saying. I mean, we all expect him to be in the, you know, the top six, but nothing, nothing can be a given. Barry would be, and the coaching staff would just be foolish to, to, to put givens in there at this point, given the stakes. For sure. And, you know, you talk about depth. And while this game guy may not be able to strap on the skates when the games start, but there's potentially another goalie they might be able to send up there to Toronto and maybe yeah. even add to camp. Yeah. And that's Ilya Sorokin. Maybe you could just talk about the latest developments in that saga and uh, the fact that we might finally be seeing it come to a close, for better or worse, this week. Yeah, yeah. And I actually wish I could go back and redo the uh, the last episode of the podcast where we talked about Sorokin because uh, – you know, me and Colin, uh, Colin Stevenson, my Newsday colleague, we're, we're we're trying to figure out, you know, would it be worth it for Ilya Sorokin to be to be in camp? You know, make the trip all the way over. And right. now, uh, the new the news today in the NHL is that these these guys like Ilya Sorokin, the uh, you know unsigned draft choices, if if they sign their entry level deals, they can participate in Phase Three, which is this formal training camp. Um, and they can also travel with the team for phase four, even though they can't play in the games. And, right. and I would think I, if the Islanders can get Sorokin signed and based on based on that and, uh, you know, some other rumblings around the league uh, today, it, it certainly sounds like the Islanders and Sorokin's representation are, are going to have a deal at some point during this 53-hour window to uh, sign these unsigned draft picks uh, starting Monday. Um, I believe it's starting Monday at noon. So between Monday at noon and Wednesday, I think at 5 p.m., in that window, the Islanders have to sign Ilya Sorokin. I I think everyone now expects that deal to get done. And I I think it it sounds like, uh, you know, Sorokin will participate in training camp if that gets done and, and possibly even go to the bubble, which would make sense because, uh, you know, I think even though he can't play, it's, you know, he's burning the first year of his entry level deal, which is, you know, good for him, mm-hmm. but also he's getting to work, you know, with the Islanders staff. And uh, I think there would be a great benefit to that. So uh, I, I thought that was very positive news today uh, in terms of the Ilya Sorokin situation. Oh, for sure. And I think that's uh, going to sound like music to, to Islander fans' ears as long as uh, you know they follow through <laughs> within these next couple of days and, and get pen to paper. Then we can finally put this thing to bed. But uh, it, does, it does definitely sound positive. Um, before we let you go, though, I did want to get your thoughts on the actual matchup. They're going to be playing the Florida Panthers when they head up to Toronto. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on how the Islanders uh, sh- you know, match up against them and, and what you think their chances are in this five-game series. I, I like their chances against the Panthers. And, and to me, one of the fascinating things is going to be 
just watching Barry Trotz coach against Joel Quenville. You're talking about, you know, the yeah. two most active winning coaches in the NHL. And it's incredible to me. This is only the second time these two guys have met in the playoffs. In uh, 2010, Quenville's uh, Blackhawks beat uh, Trotz's Predators. I think in the first round, the Blackhawks went on to win the, their first of three cups there hmm. during that run. But but to me, this this chess match between these two grandmasters is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but it, I, I like the way the Islanders match up. I, I think the Islanders have a little more depth. I think they have a little more, you know, balance amongst their four lines. They certainly have, I think, more depth uh, defensively, even though, you know, the Panthers uh, do have some good defensemen back there. I'm not trying to say they don't. Uh, for sure. And Barkov is one of those players that I, I think a lot of people just don't realize how great this guy is, Yeah, you know, um, because he's playing for the Florida Panthers. So, you know, the Panthers are a very dangerous team to me. And, you know, certainly we go into every playoff tournament saying the team that gets the best goaltending, you know, is going to have the best chance to win. And, uh, you know, I think it, 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 it's even more true during this past best of five qualifying series where there's, you know, almost literally no room for error. And, you know, Trotz is going to have to pick between Varlamov and Grice or, you know, you know, if, if one of them has a bad first game, he's going to go to the other one in game two. He's not going to wait around. Right. Um, and the Panthers, it's, it's very interesting. They, they have this. Vesna Trophy winning goalie who they paid 70 million bucks for. And right. he's in the first year of the stay up deal. And it was an incredibly disappointing season for Sergei Bobrovsky. Now, if, if the Bob can come back and play like a Vesna Trophy winning goalie, the Islanders are going to have real problems in this series. Uh, I mean, you've seen what the Bob did, you know, for the Blue Jackets in, in the playoffs last season. Um, against the Lightning, right? Um, but uh, overall, I, I, I like I like the way the Islanders are. Certainly with Sezikis back, which yeah. uh, which allows that 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 fourth line to be intact. And they only Trotz only had that line for 19 of the Islanders' 68 games, which oh, wow. is really amazing to think. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that that sort of balances out everything. Um, and, and, and to me, it, it's also going to be interesting to see how JG, uh, you know, JG Peugeot, uh, handles, you know, he, he came over from the senators and, and it was such a, you know, it was a big trade for the Islanders. They, they immediately signed him to an extension and, and he gets a goal in each of his first two games with the Islanders. But I, over the course of the seven games that he played with the Islanders after the trade, and the Islanders went 0-3-4, and, and the team was going south, and, and Peugeot was clearly putting a lot of pressure on himself. I, I think this reset is going to be great for Peugeot. You know, he actually gets to now go through a training camp with this team and, and really start to feel comfortable rather than he's scrambling to get to know everyone. So, uh, you know, I think that's really going to solidify the third line. And, uh, and then it comes down to, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Barzell, Lee, and Everly are just going to have to score. Right. Uh, because the Islanders <laughs> are so simple. You know, yeah, I mean, they're not going to win if that line is not going. So, right. 
you know, um, but yeah. And, and I also, you know, you talk about trades. I did not like it when the Panthers traded away Vincent Trocheck to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Trocheck is just one of those really sneaky kind of under the radar players in the NHL, you know, can solidify any second or third line mm-hmm. in the middle. I, I just, I love the game that Trocheck plays. I think the Panthers are a little worse off without Trocheck. And of course, the Islanders won all three games, you know, from the uh, from the Panthers this season. Really, it was really three one-goal games. They haven't played since December. There was a three-one win in Florida, but Pellick scored an empty netter with three seconds left. So that's that's a one-goal game to me. So, you know, I, I think the teams are very close, and it's going to be these these factors that we you know we've discussed that are going to tip the series one way or the other. Andrew, I just want to take you real quick from talking about the Panthers and the Bob to the Nassau Coliseum because we, we just wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't bring up the Nassau Coliseum because there's always something with this goddamn building. And you look at the latest news and your colleagues at Newsday reporting that now Oakview Group is interested or potentially interested in running the building. Uh, obviously, there seems to be some certain stipulations, but what is going on there? Is there any hope that the Islanders will be playing hockey games next season on Long Island before Belmont opens in 2021? Yeah, uh, I mean, when, when the news first broke that Prokhorov was just done, you know, he was shutting the Coliseum, and, and really, that was an, uh, a bit of an overreaction since, what, what is he shutting it from? Everything's right. shut. You know, all the, all the arenas are shut. <laughs> But, you know, it, it turns out he, he hasn't paid, what is it, rent since January or right. whatever. Something like that, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I always sort of felt, and really the, the guy to talk to is Jim Bombach on, on the Newsday staff who, who's following this, you know, really intently. Um, I, I, I always felt like this has been a grand negotiating ploy by Prokhorov, who, who feels like, okay, if I just... You know, if I, I throw out this, ah, we're closing the building, the, the, the county will renegotiate the deal more to his liking, you know. And, and I, I still think whether it's Prokhorov's group or, uh, you know, the, the, the other, the, the Belmont people, somehow the Islanders will be playing in that building, you know, provided there is a 2021 season right. where, you know, you know, and I think there are more uncertainties than where the Islanders are going to play next season. But uh, I think as this goes on, I, I think the, the meter is tipping back towards the something getting worked out, uh, whether it's with the Prokhorov's group or, or, or the Belmont group, to, uh, to open the Coliseum back up. Um, you know, Nassau County Executive Laura Curran certainly – you know, expressed optimism that games would be back in the Coliseum. Um, so I, I would have to think so. But but you're right. It, you know, it, it just always – how long have the Islanders been dealing with this? It's a, a, honestly – How it long have I been like, alive? I think that's the question. Yeah, no, well, well, it sure. really seems like you, you, go, you go back to the mid to late 90s. Right. Um, you know, when you started hearing that, you know – uh, the, the Coliseum was inadequate. And it just seems like every season there are questions about the Islanders' home arena situation. And, 
you know, you, you thought that was done when they moved to Brooklyn in, you know, 2015, 16. And, you know, that didn't work out. Yeah. And, you know, you think you get it solidified here. <laughs> you know, they're going to play at the Coliseum. And, you know, I, I, I just really hope that once they do get to the Belmont Park Arena, that's that's it for like 40 years. Yeah, like, this is where nice. the Islanders, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the next guy on the beat for Newsday can worry about it. You know? <laughs> it's funny, Andrew. You've got three years. You've been on the, I think the Islanders beat now for Newsday for three years. So you've only dealt with this for three years. Arthur, Brian, myself, <laughs> Sean, we've been dealing this with for years. This is nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I mean, when, when I was, when I was on the Ranger beat, there was the whole issue. And, you know, you think about the Rangers. Oh, they play at Madison Square Garden. That's that's a no-brainer. Right. Um, if, you, if you remember, you know, the New York City Mayor's Office, I believe it was, was, you know, threatening to revoke their uh, oh, certificate yeah. of occupancy. <laughs> um, and there was some debate as to whether the, the Rangers might have to fight. You know, so, yeah, no, I, 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 I certainly haven't been on the Islanders beat since, you know, uh, the Ziggy Palsy days. But I, 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 I've been through the home arena crap, and it, it is tiring. <laughs> Yes, it, it, it certainly is. Well, Andrew, I want to thank you for all the time you gave us. A pleasure to have you back on the show. Really appreciate it, and I uh, look forward to having you on again, okay? Hey, Sean, Christian, it's great talking to you guys. Be well. All the best to your families. And uh, certainly looking forward to getting the chance to talk real hockey again. Absolutely, Andrew. Thanks so much. Take care. <laughs> all right. See you guys. Bye-bye. All right, folks, that was Andrew Gross covering the New York Islanders for Newsday. Great stuff from Andrew. 100%. Absolutely good stuff. <laughs> and, wow, I mean, the time is just flying here, but let's let's keep going. Let's keep talking about this Islander roster going into camp. Yeah. And then we'll sew this thing up. We'll talk a little bit about the Panthers, and uh, I think we'll be good to go. So we were talking about the lineup. We were talking about the forwards. And before we were rudely interrupted by Andrew Gross's phone call, <laughs> we were going to start talking about the actual lines here. So, as we discussed with Andrew, you know, yeah, we could get some surprises. Oh, but yeah. I think we'll start with, with a roster that we think is going to end up right. You know, if everything was normal, the, the, the healthy team that we believe this team would field... And then, you know, as, as tomorrow begins, we can have that thrown back into our faces right, when exactly. we find out that the lines look nothing like this, the team looks nothing like that, and whatever. But let's let's start this way for now. And I think Chris and I are on, on agreement on most of this. If not, Chris, you just chime in and let me know. Oh, I will okay. always let you know when I disagree <laughs> with you. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's take a look at these forward lines. So, you figure Lee Bar- Barzell and Eberle are going to start at that top line. I don't Makes think there's the any sense, debate there. Yeah. You look at the second line. I'm thinking maybe you throw Bavillier there with Nelson and Bailey. We've seen that before. I know that we've seen Bavillier jump between you know the middle six lines every yeah, now and then. Second and third line, is yeah, where his sweet spot is. Yeah, but for for the sake of argument, we'll throw Bavillier on the left wing there. I think Nelson and Bailey are probably going to be locked together. Uh, moving on from there, you get the third line. This is where things get a little interesting, and I think where you know we, we might start looking like fools when when, <laughs> when training camp starts. But for the, for the sake of argument, I'm going to throw Dal Cole on the left wing. You brought him up before the show. We right. were talking about this. And yes, as far as being a number five overall pick, Michael Dal Cole is a disappointment. But since he's come to the team and since he's kind of settled, in, settled into this role that he's, he's had currently with the team, he does serve a purpose. 
and you just got to forget about where he was drafted. If he was just if he was a guy drafted in one of the later rounds, you'd be like, okay, this this guy he's, he's he, he plays well. He's a young kid, and you know he he's been playing responsible in in more of a bottom six role. So I have no problem putting him on the left line, uh, the left wing on the third line, if if that's what Barry sees. But again, he might he might you know do something completely different. Right. I mean, the thing is, Dal Cole has certainly been a guy that, as you mentioned, Islander fans have have kind of uh, had an issue with because of where mm-hmm. he was drafted. Whether it's fair or not, I mean, there was a lot of expectation on his shoulders, and it just didn't pan out in that regard. But he's been a solid player, and Barry Trotz has been one to say that he's he's played well he plays responsibly he does a lot of things that Barry Trotz likes to do it's not flashy hockey mm-hmm. but Michael Del Cole can be a responsible hockey player in his own end you know he can he can make a little some things happen here or there I mean maybe he'll put a goal or two up for you every once in a while um, which is a nice added bonus but you're not you're not seeing a top six forward you're getting a right. bottom six forward really with Michael Del Cole and it's not a problem the issue I think I have here is it, it's hard to say with what the Islanders need at the moment they need right. scoring. I would be more intrigued to see the Islanders give one of their younger guys a chance. And I think sure. this is where the conversation comes in, where you're talking about a Wallstrom. Absolutely. Where you're talking about a Kiefer Bellows. This, this line is definitely the place. Right. If we're going to see any, any mix-ups, any changes, but it's going to be with these guys. Even I think the interesting thing is, even if that's the case, mm-hmm. if you say, all right, well, they're going to go Kiefer Bellows or, or Oliver, Oliver Wallstrom or something in a position one of the, in one of those spots, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're also talking about right wing. Because um, you're going to have Komarov in the discussion too. Do you Derek want Broussard. Do you, Derek Broussard? Do you want those guys out there? Derek Broussard was played great on the wing earlier in the season too. Yeah. So yeah. it's certainly there's a lot of questions. But if you're going to put one of those younger guys out there, theoretically, you could probably mix them too between the second and third line where you're having Beauvillier and whoever's in that slot right. kind of moving back and forth. Yep. Beauvillier is the veteran, veteran, I guess, <laughs> right. quote, in, in this situation. <laughs> And then you can have the younger guy play the third line if you don't want to give him too many minutes or put him in these big spots. Or right. even if you think he's maybe more comfortable playing with Brock Nelson or he's more comfortable playing with a veteran player like Bailey. Also, Josh Bailey is a utility guy, too, in this situation where you could see him sl- switch between second and third sure. lines because it's happened before during the season. Right. So I think that what's intriguing about these spots, especially if they go younger, you're not if, there's, if Derek Broussard is playing – on the wing, let's say. I don't think he's switching between second and third line. I don't think Barry Trotz really has that option to do that. Right. With a younger guy, I think you have that option. If you're talking about a Bellis, if you're talking about a Wallstrom, um, you have that opportunity to kind of mix and match and maybe have a little more flexibility, I guess you say, if you trust mm-hmm. these guys enough mm-hmm. to go out there. I mean, if you're picking them to be in your lineup in the postseason, a best-of-five tournament, you probably have a lot of faith in this, in this particular player to go out and do what you need him to do. Right. So I think that kind of answers where I'm going with this, where you have a little more mobility and flexibility when it comes to how your roster is set, even during uh, the middle of one of these series, if the Islanders are in the, in the playing round or even, you know, if they make it beyond the playing round. Right. And just to sew up that line just for now, I feel like, you know, you're going to have Dalcol on the left, Pajot right there in the middle. And for now, I'd say Broussard would be the other winger on that line. And, you know, you talk about the uh, you know the Komarov situation. You know you have the the Komarov haters out there. You don't have to rely on him as much, like we were right. talking about. You know, like you know he's he's more of a defensive you know guy, and and now you can have Peugeot in there, and you can throw him on the penalty kill, and and you know you might see Leo not getting into the lineup here, and and, and that's how I look at. It. I don't think you need to put him in the lineup now. I mean, look, he'll he'll still be with the team. He'll still be in the locker room. You know, clowning around with the guys. Everybody talks about what a presence he has in the locker room. So you can still get that. You know, you just may not have to put him on the ice, which I don't really have a problem with. And then after that, 
you have obviously the fourth line we've all come to know and love. Matt Martin, Casey Zizek is coming back from his injury. And Cal Clutterbuck, and I don't think anybody's touching that line. Right. I think everyone's going to be happy with that fourth line staying intact and doing what they do because even even as the years have progressed, that fourth line has maintained a pretty um, stable reputation of doing a lot of good things, going out there, being that grit, that identity line that Barry Trotz likes to call them a lot of times, mm-hmm. um, you know, where they're going out there, they're throwing the body, they're creating those opportunities off of that physical play. And that's what makes that line so unique in the fact that you take one of those pieces out, it's not the same line. And it's always been this kind of fascinating thing to watch because you talk about, you look at guys like Matt Martin uh, especially, and then you look at a player like Ross Johnson who almost plays a very similar game to Martin. And Ross Johnson's most likely going to be in this camp. He was around the Islanders all season long. Uh, it would be kind of surprising not to see him in camp. And it makes it, it shows just how unique that line is because you put a Ross Johnson in there and he plays well. Ross Johnson's a grit player. He plays a lot like Matt Martin, but just not the same line when you have Matt Martin or if you take Clutterbuck out or you take Sezikis out. It's just not the same line, and that's what makes them so unique and special. For sure, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what your forward lines look maybe <laughs> for now. <laughs> that's what we're guessing anyway. Yeah, exactly. And and look, but I think that third line is the one you can play with the most. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we talked about the kids a little bit already with Andrew Gross. And, yeah, I certainly think there's a chance and an opportunity for a guy like Bellows or Wallstrom to get in there, you know, if yeah. – if, 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 Barry's confident in what he sees in camp, and he's looking for a little more scoring punch, by all means, throw him in there. You know, I'm certainly not arguing for this lineup, but I just feel like, you know, with everything being normal, which, of course, it's not, I feel like this <laughs> might be more along the lines of what it'll look like. But, yeah, I mean, sure, give Bellows a shot. Give Walsh a shot. Maybe even a guy like Koivula. Maybe Barry sees something he likes in yeah. that guy. You yeah, know? He, Otto Koivula, had a, you know, he's had a pretty good season down in Bridgeport and he had a couple good moments up in the NHL. So it's certainly, I don't think his name is off the table. I don't know if he would be, I mean, I, mean, I, I know he's not going to be before a Bellows or a, a right. Wallstrom, but right. his name is going to be in the conversation for a little sure. bit at least. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, look, the good thing is Barry has all his options on the table. Everybody's healthy. And if he sees something he doesn't like, he can bring somebody else in and, exactly. and hopefully they can pick up the weight. So let's move on to the D. And that has been solidified, as, as Andrew Gross has mentioned as well, talking about Pella coming back and Boychuk coming back. So, I mean, the pairings, I think, are a little more straightforward here. You know, you got Pellick and Pullock as that top pair. Taves and Mayfield have been playing together for a while. And then, of course, the Letty Boychuk tandem, which has been, you know, together ever since. 2015 <laughs> they, since yeah. they came here. Or 2014 when they came here, I should exactly. say. Exactly. I mean, when they're both healthy anyway. Right. So, <laughs> that's a big uh, question yeah. mark sometimes. So, I think that's your, your, your top three D pairs. You know, could we see a surprise and, and get Noah Dobson in there? Perhaps. You know, will Barry want to get another veteran presence in there with Andy Green? Maybe. But... Right. I just don't know if if Andy Green or or Thomas Hickey. I guess I can't leave his name out of the conversation yeah, either. It's another veteran presence. Also, when you look back at the 2016 series, Thomas Hickey was such a big Huge. part of that series oh, yeah. victory for the New York Islanders. So it's funny now. You're, you're you know we're talking about three three years later, four years later now. Um, right. Thomas Hickey is still in this t- on this team. First of all, yeah, and you know we're talking about does he get an opportunity? The one thing I will say about the defensive pair. It'll be interesting. I don't. I don't think that Noah Dobson is going to see much playing time, just because if I think the Islanders were as comfortable with where he was at uh, in his development, they wouldn't have gone out and got Andy Green. I agree. Because with you. Noah Dobson was out was the one that was basically tasked with pay, being, uh, you know, uh, Adam Pellick once he got injured. Right. And Dobson played well. I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from him. He had a 
you know, there's a lot of learning curves, and he, he got thrown into a rough spot, and I think he handled it really well, mm-hmm. and he was learning, and he was getting better as time was going on. But right now, I don't think the Islanders go out and get Andy Green then if they're 100% confident that Dobson's doing the job that they needed him to do in that moment. That's not to say he won't in the future. Right. It's just in that moment, he wasn't where they needed him. No, you're right. And, and bringing that up, I mean, you just think about how much Trotz, you know, shielded Dobson during the season. Yes. You know, he wasn't too too crazy about putting him out there a lot during the regular season. And now you got, you know, five games to try to win three, you know, to move on into the playoffs. I, you know, I, I can't see, I mean, unless Dobson just completely, you know, wows him in training camp, you know, I, I think he's going to keep the training wheels on here. And, you know, I don't I don't think he's going to throw him out there. So I, I agree with you, you know, that I th- probably an injury or two might have to happen before right. that. Or somebody's just going to have to completely crap the bed in camp. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or maybe even the first game for him to, to give that a consideration. I think you make a really good point there. And then last but not least, we have the goaltenders. And I guess that's kind of a toss-up maybe. I mean, look, Varlamov got more games, so it, it only makes sense to to predict that he's probably going to be the one to play game one. But their numbers were so even. You look at what Grice did a few years ago against the Panthers. I don't know if that's something that Barry Trotz weighs. No, I don't. I don't think it is. I, I mean, it's even hard. I know Andrew was talking about the, the Islanders' record against the Panthers during the regular mm-hmm. season. And I think it, it. I mean, throw it out the window. Yeah, I don't even think he was saying that it mattered, but he was just putting it out there yeah. as a matter of fact. But you're right. You throw it out the window when the Island with the 2019-20 regular season is only four months ago. But like when you think about it, mm-hmm. it's like four years ago. Like <laughs> it's so In hard way, to yeah. imagine that time. Um, or any of those stats or any of what was going on really being able to correlate to what's going to happen now. Yeah. And so, yeah, you kind of just throw out, throw out, throw that out all the window. Throw all of that out the window. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> as I try and figure out how to talk and form a sentence here. But you think about it, Thomas Grice's success against the Panthers happened four, you know, four years ago, right? right. Um, I mean, again, kind of what we were talking about with Thomas Hickey and that, you know, it's funny that a guy that was such a big part of that, that mm-hmm. series victory for the New York Islanders then is still on this team now, first of all. And then, you know, there's a question mark whether he'll be in the lineup too. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's unfortunate for Thomas Grice, who's been such a great soldier and been such a great oh, yeah. acquisition for the New York Islanders over no the years he's been here. Yeah. But I agree with you. If Arlamoff is, you know, he's the number one. I mean, I, I get it. Barry Trotz doesn't say really say one is got one guy is number one over the other. But mm-hmm. when you look at it, when you look at everything put together, mm-hmm. Arlamoff has really been the Islanders number one and Grice has been kind of that one B because, yep. you know, he's he plays a lot and the Islanders need both the goaltenders to go. Um but in crunch time Varlamov is the guy you're going to. It's plain and simple. Yeah, again, I mean, unless and he shows changes, up with a, yeah. unless he shows up with a beer belly because he was sitting on the couch <laughs> watching Netflix during this whole right, thing, right. and Grice is in prime shape, then you know you have a then you have a conversation there, you know. But I think again, like barring any unknowns that, that we're waiting to see happen in, in in training camp, I think you know Varlamov is going to get that number one. But the great thing about Thomas Grice is that you talk about that series four years ago. He proved to hockey fans, to Islander fans, that he can handle. The, the pressure and the situation of a playoff series because oh, we, we never saw him at least I didn't I don't I don't I don't think he really got any starts on his previous teams in the playoffs I could be wrong there but I think that's the first time you know due to Halak's injury that Grice was really, really given a chance to shine you know in the playoffs and I mean he did it in spades against the Panthers yeah. I mean he was absolutely fantastic after you talk about number ninety one being the hero in that series he's obviously number two right behind him well when you look back at that series in reality and in fairness. I mean, it's a tough thing to hear, I'm sure, for Islander fans, but the Islanders won that series between, because of two people, mm-hmm. John Tavares 
Thomas Grice. Yeah. There was a lot of other heroes in that situation. Sure. But if Thomas Grice isn't out there making the saves and the stops that he needs to in the first place, right. Thomas Hickey isn't scoring a game-winning goal. Alan Quine isn't scoring a game-winning goal. You know, these guys, these, like, these role players that you would never imagine being the heroes in these situations don't get that situation. You know, it doesn't set up John Tavares for the, you know, first of all, the ridiculous game-tying goal in, in game six. Right. And then the wraparound winner that he gets uh, to win in overtime. It doesn't yeah. happen. So, right. um, you know, I think even though, I, again, that's it's such a long time ago, there's still a, still an expectation now that that's set on Thomas Grice, too, that now he people believe he can step in. If, if he goes out and he has a great training camp, there is no doubt people are going to be, I'm sure there's going to be some people who, who are going to be, you know, there's going to be haters out there, but I think most Islander fans would be all right. He went out, he earned that spot. Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello are putting their trust in him. Then, then we should too. Then, then he's earned that spot, and he's going to be able to handle it. He did it four years ago. He'll do it again. If he's given that opportunity, he'll do it again. Exactly. The main point is they have two good options. Yes. If one falters, yeah, they can be steady back there. So that's all good stuff. The Islanders maybe lack a scoring depth, but they have plenty of defensive depth, and they have great depth in goaltending, and I think that's going to be one of the key factors here, you know, going into playing the Panthers, which is a perfect segue because now we can talk about the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to go in depth to the lineup like we did with the Islanders. Just, you know, talk about a couple of key players and, you know, how the teams match up. I'll rattle off some numbers here at the top just so you can refamiliarize yourself with the season that the Panthers had. Uh, they went 35-26-8. That was good for 500, 0.565 points percentage. Landed them 10th in the conference. They went 4-4-2 in their last 10, uh, winning their last two games before the break. And the funny thing about this is, and I was going to try to slip it in when, when Andrew was talking about Trocek, <laughs> but I didn't get a chance, is that this team probably made that deal because they weren't expecting to make the playoffs. Which is, I mean, I shouldn't say hilarious, but it, it really does kind of... Go with the wackiness of everything going on. They trade away, you know, they trade this great big player. trade. Yeah. Great player to a team that was fighting for a playoff spot. Also now in the playoffs. Because, right. Because of that, too. It definitely helped the Carolina Hurricanes. And obviously everything that happened kind of helped both teams make it to this this weird, wacky postseason tournament. So it is, it is ironic now that that trade could actually down the line, somehow end up bite them, biting them in the butt, let's say, if both teams start to advance. Right. How funny would that – think about it. How funny would that be? The Florida Panthers somehow make it to the conference final. The Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes somehow make it to the conference final. And the Florida Panthers have to face a guy that they traded because they most likely thought they weren't making the postseason. Right. That would be funny, but it's not going to happen. I, the likelihood <laughs> – you're right. The likelihood of it happening is very small, but just imagine the funniness to that situation. It, it would absolutely be entertaining. And they have some entertaining players on this team, particularly. I got to say, they they got some weapons in their top six, and that that's really gonna it's gonna be the Florida Panthers offense versus the Islanders defensive goaltending. I mean, that's really what this series is gonna come down to. Uh, you know, you look at their their top six. You got names like Huberdo, Barkov, Hoffman, Dadanov, Walla, who came over in that trade. Yep. You know, from Carolina. I mean, those are all guys that can skate. They can all put the puck in the net, and you know. Obviously, Wall is more of a new addition, so you know we don't know you know how well exactly he's going to factor into the Panthers. I guess kind of like how you look at Pajot at the Islanders, right? Sure, yeah. Um, they had three point three goals for three point two five goals against, so they were pretty much letting up as many goals as they were scoring. Their power play was twenty one point three percent at tenth overall. The kill was seventy eight point five at twenty overall. So they had a better than average power play and a pretty mediocre penalty kill. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> take take that for whatever it is. Um, and you know, you, you want to talk about guys that are coming back injury from injuries. You have Brian Boyle coming back for the Panthers, who was obviously a thorn in the Islander side in that de- series against the lightning. Right. Those, it's those it's kind of ironic ago. too. Now that he's 
he was a member of the Lightning then. Now he's coming back as a member of the Florida Panthers for this 2016 kind of rematch playoff series. Yes, so he gets to once again be a pain in the ass for the <laughs> Islanders in this playoffs, kind of not playoffs situation. Moving on to the D, Christian, I'm going to be completely honest with you and our listeners out here. I haven't heard of half the guys on the Florida Panthers defense. Now, maybe that's my failure as a hockey fan <laughs> and as a hockey guy, but just looking at it quickly, I was like, okay, Yandel, Ekblad, great. Strawman, you know, getting up there in age, but a solid defenseman. And then after that, I am not familiar with the rest of the, the defensemen on that team. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll try and defend you here in the sense that it's also the Florida Panthers, so there's not a ton of people who... <laughs> right. There's people in Florida that don't even know they right. have a, so they have a team. Right, so they're not necessarily... Everyone's up to date on what's going on with the Florida <laughs> right. Panthers. So in your defense, it's understandable. Also, we've been through four months of not talking or thinking also about hockey. Also true. I so appreciate it. I appreciate it. There are certain things that you have to kind of fall back on if you want to try and make excuses for your lack of hockey knowledge. <laughs> well, I appreciate this sort of backup there, Christian. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, look, I think the, the Islanders have a leg up there when it comes to defense. I mean, obviously, Yandel, he's a great offensive defenseman. Ekblad has been coming into his own. He's also an excellent young defenseman. And they're going to be, you know, a lot to handle back there. But I think, you know, beyond those guys, I mean, maybe that's where the Islanders have a chance to kind of pounce on this uh, defensive core that I've never heard of. <laughs> maybe somebody can, can uh, you know, correct me on this. But... You know, I think maybe that's where the Islanders might have the advantage is, is in the defense. You can debate the forwards. I mean, look, obviously the, the Panthers had a better power play. And, you know, you look at those names and, you know, you can make a debate over which top six for the Islanders, you know, matches up against the Panthers. Sure. And then, of course, unless you have anything more to say about the D. No, that's it. You can keep going. We can move on to the goaltending. And Sergei Bobrovsky. The Bob. I mean, <laughs> the Bob, as uh, Andrew Gross affectionately called him. Um, you know, and he also discussed the fact that, you know, he, he look, he's a, he's a Vesna Trophy winner. He got signed to a huge contract to go down to Florida. And this year so far has been an absolute bust in terms yeah. of his numbers, in terms of what he's doing down there. And look, you throw, you throw everything out the window. You throw out the seven-game skid that the Islanders had leading into the, you know, the, the break, right? And then you have to do the same with what Bobrovsky sure, did between yeah, the pipes. 100%. We don't know what the, these four months, however long it's been off, has, you know, has done for these teams, has done for these players. We don't know how it's going to affect them. And you, know, you had people like Barry Trotz saying, you, know, you get that one team right. that just you know, fires out of a cannon, and all of a sudden they're, they're looking like a real threat. And it could be a team like the Rangers, dare I say it. It could be a, you know, one of those teams that people had written off that weren't supposed to be in the playoffs, you know, whether it's the Panthers or otherwise. You know, so, I mean, I feel good about the fact that Bobrovsky had such an awful regular season, but, I mean, is anybody here going to be surprised if, if you know, he switches, you know, a, a flips a switch and then all of a sudden he's playing the, the way we, we, you know, came to came to learn in, in you know, previous to this season? No one's going to be surprised by anything, I think, in this tournament because, as you alluded to there, Everyone is in these in this unique situation, so none of what happened before really matters. It just matters the fact that they were in the position to get to this point. The Islanders, you know, had a hot start in the beginning of the year, and they certainly faltered as the season went on. But they still managed to put themselves in a position to make this spot. The Rangers were lights out. I mean, you could say going into this this kind of COVID break, right? Uh, which ended up, you know, ended up being a four month hiatus for for hockey. Yeah. Um, so there's there's all these questions. I mean, how much does that help the Islanders? How much does that hurt the Rangers? I mean, they had all the momentum. The Islanders going the other way. Florida, kind of a similar situation. They were starting to, it seemed like they were on a good path, you know, winning a couple games, getting some points here or there. Uh, and I know that Dale Talon was pretty happy with at least where the team was headed 
in that moment. How much of that now transitions over? It's it's a good question because nobody really knows the answer. Right. And that's what makes this whole thing fascinating is that this is every team is starting from this 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 scratch, basically. Yeah. There's no team that's starting with a leg up, a leg down. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's starting from this unique spot where guys haven't practiced and played and skated, really, um, until they, these teams started opening up their facilities for these informal workouts earlier in June. Right. So before that, these guys, three months, really didn't have much of an opportunity to skate, to work on their skill set. So everyone's starting from the same spot. And now all 24 of these teams are going to be competing for the Stanley Cup. And those first couple, those first series especially, I think, are going to be the most interesting because they're going to be the, the most raw series from the sense that everyone is now in that spot. Everyone is coming in fresh, healthy, no, none of this other stuff that was going on beforehand. Everyone's now has the same starting point. Right, and... Three games isn't a lot, you know. If you want to talk about three games to win, it's not. It's not a lot of games to get your groove. You no, know what I mean? Like, no, I think we're gonna see a lot of wild results coming yeah. out of these playing rounds. You know, we're gonna. I think we're gonna see some upsets, some teams winning that we weren't expecting. And look again, it it, it may not be how you know any of us would have written it up, but the fact that it's coming back. And the fact that we're going to be watching some hockey, and and with all of this intrigue, with all the question marks, and with with all of that in mind, it's going to be so much fun to watch. And and you know, the smart people at the NHL picked a Saturday to do it. Right. You know, the fact that you're going to have you know essentially playoff hockey games from noon if you're on the East Coast, you know, on through the rest of the night is just fantastic. And I'm curious to see what happens when people go to work during the week. (laughs) That'll be the real tell. We'll see how this works. Once you get to the Tuesday Wednesday games. Right. Or actually, no, they play, I think they, they go right through Saturday, Sunday, right? It's going to be every yeah, day of the week. So, like that, yeah. yeah, once once the games start, start being played during the week, that's going to be interesting. Hey, that, that Eastern Conference, Carolina Hurricanes, Florida Panthers, Vincent Trocek revenge series is going to be a <laughs> hell of a television draw. Yeah, in about a month from now or whatever it is. But look, the fact that we're sitting here right now talking about the Islanders getting back on the ice. The NHL getting back on the ice. Training camp is tomorrow. Is just fantastic. I didn't think it was going to happen, but we're here. And again, barring any unexpected catastrophes, we're getting hockey, and, and I couldn't be happier. It's great that you know guys like yourself and Andrew are going to be back on the beat. You know, going to be able to you know go to camp and see what's going on out there. It's going to be awesome, and uh, I'm excited. And 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 with all these things said about the Panthers and all this toss up thing, I, I am going to stick to you know our prediction last week. I think you know the Islanders ultimately can and will you know take the series, whether it takes three, four, or five games. But I really like the Islander squad healthy. I really like Sezikis being back. I really like that one through four center situation that they have going on. And the the, the D is just so deep with Pelik and Boychuk being back. Yeah, it certainly helps their cause. And, I mean, that's such a it's such a big thing for the New York Islanders because that is their bread and butter. They are – Barry Trotz's system is defense, defensive-minded. It's what made them so successful last year. It's made them so successful earlier this year when things were going well. Uh, so it is – a huge factor to have these guys healthy. It is a huge factor to have that grit line, that identity line, 100%, because that is what drives the New York Islanders. That style of play is what drives the New York Islanders to be successful under the Barry Trot system. No question about it. And I think with that, Christian, we could probably wrap it up. I think we covered all bases. And, folks, this time next week, we will be a week into training camp. Skates will have hit the ice. We'll know what happens with Ilya Sorokin. We'll be able to talk about that, too. So keep it here at Hockey Night in New York because we are going through this whole return to play. 
and we're going to keep the, keep, you, keep the coverage out there for you. It's going to be great stuff. I want to send out a huge thanks to Andrew Gross for joining us tonight of Newsday. Big thanks to our sponsor, Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Remember, you can check them out in Huntington at 719 West Jericho Turnpike. Great food, great people, great Islander fans. Make sure you check them out. And, folks, you can follow the show at Hockey Night NY on all social media platforms. You can follow Christian at C underscore Arnold 01. You can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. And uh, that's it, folks. Tell your friends. Don't forget, please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us out. Get the word out. We appreciate you all listening. We'll be back next week. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. Have yourselves a great rest of your night, folks. Take care.